Hey everybody, it's Josh Collier, Artistic Director of Barn Opera, and I'm just so glad to uh, have you here today. You made it this far, you've really invested in this, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you're obviously finding these episodes helpful and beneficial for you, and I hope you're taking notes, and I hope you're doing all the homework. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm really thrilled that you're here for our third episode about the market research that you should be doing as you're starting the process of figuring out how you're going to start your opera company. So if we were just starting, say, a restaurant, what you would want to do is you would want to make sure that in the surrounding area, there are no other restaurants that cater to exactly your type of clientele. So say we're having an we're starting an Italian restaurant. We'd want to make sure that there weren't other five other Italian restaurants that are all serving the exact same thing because that market is already saturated. So we want to make sure that that if we were starting a restaurant, we would do that research by going to these different restaurants and trying them out and seeing what the level is and what the caliber is and what the ambiance is and how their customer service is and we would do that type of research. But since we're starting an opera company, it's a little bit different. The market research that I'm talking about is talking about how much the market can bear, one, and what type of market you're in. So for instance, if you were say in a in the middle of Boston or in the middle of, you know, San Francisco, where there are a lot it's a highly populated concentration of educated opera lovers already then you would have a much easier time doing something very niche like fulfilling your dreams of starting the uh, you know championing the vocal works of Schoenberg right these are not things Sprechstimme is not exactly something that the general public can appreciate on first glance and so you know you would have a very different experience if you were to do the Schoenberg vocal group in the middle of Boston or in New York than you would in, say, I don't know, um, North Carolina, right? You're going to have a different experience because of the different community that you're living in and that your company is operating in. So I think that one of the things that we have to think about is, as it pertains to the location that we've just talked about, where is it going to be set? What's the atmosphere? What are you looking for in in a, a hyper-focused location? So a bar, church, that sort of stuff. And also in your macro location, meaning the state, the town, the community, the neighborhood, you know, these sort of things, so that you can then start to isolate what is your focus when you're doing market research. I would say that the first thing to do when you're starting out, as far as the market research is concerned, is find what are the arts organizations that are operating in your town. 
So that could be that could be an orchestra, that could be a, a community theater group, that could be a ballet troupe, that could be a uh, an art a, a conservatory, like a, a, a little a school. Um, you know, within what are the arts organizations? Are there museums available? The reason why is so that you can really assess what the need is for the community. Not just the need as in the artistic need so you can fill a, a void, but what is the artistic output that the market currently can bear. We're not taking into account the fact that you will grow an audience to be able to, you know, to uh, augment that community, but at the moment, before you've done anything, what can the market bear? You know, I said uh, in the location episode that we should stay within your own neighborhood. So a very, very hyper-focused area. But when you're talking about researching um, the other arts organizations, you should go a little bit afield. So say within 45 minutes or an hour um, in any direction. The reason for that is obviously that when you start your opera company, you're not just going to draw from your hyper-focused location. You're going to draw from adjacent towns. You're going to draw from different communities. Barn Opera draws is located in Brandon, Vermont. We regularly have people from Montreal, which is about two and a half hours away, and we regularly have people from Connecticut, the New York area, uh, come up, specifically come up. So that's about a four hour drive south and about a two and a half hour drive north. So if we were to look at what the extremes are for our reach, is about a six and a half hour diameter. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of our people come from that far away. I'm just suggesting that is basically our reach we're not going to have people from you know illinois right we we do not that's not a market that we really care about what we care about specifically and these are in concentric circles right so we're hyper focused on within 30 minutes from brandon then we go an hour outside of brandon then we go an hour and a half and two hours. And what are within those uh, concentric circles as far as arts organizations? What are the populations like in these concentric circles? You know, do you have one, you know, maybe within your hyper, uh, you know, local environment, it might be a little bit more blue collary, right? But you go 20 minutes away and you could find that that or that concentric circle is a much more affluent, particularly arts minded community. Maybe they already have an opera company there. It's possible. And I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing for you to start your own 
opera company that close. In fact, when we started, when Barn Opera started, um, after you know, I had worked with the opera company Middlebury in Vermont, which is about a 30 minute drive south, I, uh, I spoke with, with Doug Anderson, who is a great friend of mine. He's the artistic director of, of the opera company Middlebury. And I was a little nervous thinking that he might feel um, threatened or something, which there was no reason for him to feel threatened. But but I, I approached it and his response, and this just shows what a great guy he is, was anything will help. So if he's programming something and I'm programming something, no one is gonna go to see, well, maybe not no one, but the majority of people are not gonna go to see a show twice. But they will see one show at one place and one show at another place. And if they're only there for, say, a week, then they're they're maximizing the efficiency of their arts viewing. And they get, you know, wham bam, right in the same in the same place. So it actually helps Opera Company to Middlebury that I'm there. Because Barn Opera produces at a very different level than Opera Company in Middlebury. They've been around for 15 years, 16 years. Um, we started three years ago. So, you know, they have over a decade of experience and producing on us, which means that they've cultivated a following. They have uh, a, um, a support system that is very different than what I have with Barn Opera. That doesn't mean that we won't have it, but at the moment, that's what it is. So, where Barn Opera is an introductory place, come see something that's that has taken you know some of the grandeur out and distilled it down into the it's the opera's most poignant, compact facets. And then, if you like that, go half an hour up the road and see a much bigger production. With a full, or, large orchestra and and you know singers from all over the country, it's it's a it's a not a feeder program because that's not what it is. But the fact that it is exposing more people to the art form and telling the people that it is for them means that everyone benefits. The community from the Opera Company to Middlebury is extremely supportive of Barn Opera, not just the administration. But the audience, there's a great deal of crossover because chances are, if you like opera, you're going to go see something, right? So if Barn Opera is producing something and Opera Company in the Middlebury is producing something, everyone wins. So all of that is, I mean, yeah, personal anecdote, but all of that is to say, don't shy away from starting your own company in your location even if there is another opera company in town because as long as you both approach it correctly it could be really beneficial for both of you so that's the market research that i'm talking about so let's go back and thinking about how these concentric circles work I'm sure that there's a ratio of importance as far as how much do you cater to? Where does your marketing go? I mean, most of the marketing, let's be real, is online anyway. Um, 
now it's it's a lot of um, of electronic social media websites all um mass emails uh this is where the marketing comes in uh not so much print media anymore um at least i i don't um there's a lot of controversy actually around printing programs and posters and everything because they all they get destroyed you know they ended up being thrown away or recycled uh after two hours so it's a ton of paper and we decided to go green that's what we've what we've done so we you know we put the programs on online so anyone can can download them at any time but that also means that we're not so focused on exactly the the specific uh, delineations between those concentric circles but i can tell you that i'm focusing a lot more on within an hour range than i am in montreal or in new jersey right i'm not i'm not catering to them even into massachusetts which is really only about an hour and a half away you know it's a different market it's a different subset it's a different experience it's a different aesthetic it's a you know but that doesn't mean that i'm excluding them it just means that that's what i'm thinking about right so as you do your market research you're trying to identify what are the influences that can positively affect my company not the things that oh this would make it hard it's good to know what's going to make it hard but i don't believe that anything that already exists as long as both people you and the other proprietor play nicely <laughs> then it's everybody wins So let me just tangentially talk about this. So in an ideal world, everyone would play nicely. Everyone would be able to understand what a mutual benefit it would be for you to start their, your own company, even in the backyard of a larger already organized company. But there are egos involved all the time and so what i would recommend and, and so we have to think about how do we not persuade but how do we exist in the same space without totally stepping on toes without totally ruining relationships that could be developed in the future even if not at the beginning at the onset Think of it like this. For those of the proprietors, the artist directors of existing companies in your backyard that hear that you're starting another opera company, it is the same thing as at someone's wedding, one of the bridesmaids says that they're getting engaged. Okay, for some people, it would be great that would be wonderful. The bride would be very happy for them and, and it would be a great experience all around. 
And for some people, it would feel like the importance of their day was being taken away by someone else. Now, I don't particularly think that's a rational response, um, because a day is a day is a day, um, in my opinion. And I think that, you know, even when we got, my wife and I got married, I think if one of our bridesmaids would have said they got engaged on, you know, on, on the night of the wedding, that would be super exciting and it would be a party for everyone. Right? But that's just, that's more about my personal experience and feelings. Um, but for this other, say for this other company, what you have to do is tread a very fine line because they are the existing company. They've cultivated their audience, which means that there is a built-in system for you to benefit from potentially right if you open your own opera company in their backyard and don't compete with their programming and don't compete initially with their timing exist on a completely separate time structure not doing exactly the same thing that they do, the same aesthetic, which really the question is, why would you want to do that anyway? It's already done, you know, having that juxtaposition, the artistic director for the other company will reach out to you because you're not, not now, now you're not a threat. Now you are filling in a space that they can't occupy. So collectively, you both are a, a, a complete entity, right? Does that make sense? Say company A, which is not your company, company A is big, huge company, glitz, glamor, all this stuff. They can't do new music. They can't do anything um, terribly adventurous. They can't do any of that stuff because they're afraid of the risk taking. You are a scrappy little company with crazy ideas and interesting possibilities for directorial decisions and programming decisions. That Those are two completely separate thoughts, separate ideas for existing, separate locations, totally separate entities. And yet, you're both serving the same need artistically. So symbiotically, you could say, well, if you like our company, go to this other company. Go try them out. Similarly, they could say the same thing. If you like their, if you like our stuff, the big grand stuff, go check out this other little company. This is the symbiosis that is so required. Because if you can harness that 
level of trust from the audience, trust from the other artistic director, and a collegiality between everyone involved, you're going to have such a better experience where you might need something. You might have a singer that dropped out or they might have a singer that dropped out and they'll call you frantic and say, who do you know? Who do you know that can jump in? Making yourself as an administrator invaluable will gain you years of experience and of clout within no time. Now, I'm not suggesting you use anyone, right? That's not the point. The point is adding yourself to this existing operatic niche community requires a little bit of finagling. So to have that happen seamlessly and smoothly, you just have to understand the market research. You have to understand what you're going up against, what you're going to be faced with, what, how much friction you're going to have. You know, this is the detective work that you have to do. You need to go and talk with singers that have worked with the company. You know, if you're a singer yourself, you can you can look back at all the former, uh, you know, former singers with uh, within their company, within that existing company, and find out what's the deal. What are they like? You know, it's a really interesting uh, thing because you want to know, right? Like, it, this isn't something you want to be surprised by. And I think that. As long as you know what you're dealing with and you don't go in, you know, wide-eyed and naive and you know, A, the type of personality and B, the type of community that they've been building, their company's aesthetic, their company's, you know, um, integrity, all of these things, then you know kind of where you can go. But let's say you are a renegade and you decide that you're going to start an opera company in a place that has no opera company. In a place that is, say, terrifically rural and a place that is not served by very many arts organizations right you're taking the first leap first off bravo to you or bravo to you this i think is an even more noble cause than starting a company within an existing structure. The reason for that is if we think of the music and the opera 
with the theater as an evangelist for the art form, then preaching to the choir, you know, in a city that already has a really vibrant art scene is, I mean, it's great. It opens up a new possibility for people to experience something that's a little different. But there's a huge difference between that and doing something in a place that doesn't have anything like this. So what I would... So this is really exciting, actually. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I love and that I hope happens in this country, I hope that in every little town in the country, there can be some small, scrappy little opera company. Because then it breaks down the perceived notion. It breaks down all of these, you know, the historical biases that people have, and it shows them a new way. Think of Opera on Tap, right? That's all over the country, and they do great stuff. It's a wonderful experience where people can just, you know, it's a low-stakes environment. It's not a full show. They generally just, you know, they generally do concerts and, and maybe they do maybe they do a, a, a reading or something. But it's not exactly a company. It's a it's a an organization, right? Um, that has many different chapters. You're looking at starting a company. And so in thinking about the market research for the rural area as opposed to the urban area, it requires a little bit different thought, right? Because the definition of rural is totally subjective. And it's crazy. I've lived in rural places in the South, in Vermont, in Hawaii. You know, I've lived in rural places that operate on totally different levels. So, you know, this is something that you're going to have to contend with is seeing what exactly does your community cherish? What do they value? And maybe that's not exactly a a community that thinks that it deserves or needs the opera, right? But I can guarantee you that wherever you are in the country, there will be some people that are interested in the opera, even if they don't come out and say it immediately. Which is why what I would recommend you do before you even start a company in a rural setting is plan a concert, plan an event. Don't jump headfirst into water that you don't know how deep it is. Plan a concert, see what it's like to program that concert, catering to your local community, catering to the aesthetic of that community. So if you've got, um, 
say you've got a, a community that just loves, loves, loves country music, right? How are you going to transition country music lovers into opera lovers, right? I'm not suggesting you need to, like, convert them. I mean, there's a lot of religious conversation here, but but I, I don't think that that's the case. I think what needs to happen is you need to show them. Don't tell anyone, right? I see, I think I talked about this before, but, you know, when I see a restaurant that says good food... I'm very hesitant because, you know, don't tell me that you have good food. Show me you have good food, right? Don't tell me that you're that you're producing some music or some experience that I'm gonna love. Show me, right? So you've got this community that is country music loving. There are pieces in the standard operatic literature that sound like country music, that have the same relatable chord structure, that have the same, you know, uh, like storylines, right? Country music is so, um, so emotional. It's so, uh, it's, it's powerful because it appeals to everyone in this hyper dramatic sense right um all about you know love lost and and uh, you know scorned people and, and relationships that didn't work and you know infidelities uh, country music people should love opera but i posit they're not given the opportunity to they're not given the opportunity to appreciate the experience Because, why? Because we tell them that it's not for them. We use elitist language. It's in a language that they don't know. But even when it's not, we talk about it in such a highbrow fashion. We require people to dress up in tuxedos and ball gowns to come to the opera. And the tickets are so expensive. It's automatically socioeconomically dividing. And it's automatically exclusionary so why is country music so affecting it's basically a guy with a guitar and he's telling the story of his life or her life right there is very little difference so i would say that give these people an opportunity to love it In order to do that for you, you're going to have to put away some of the traditions that you had ingrained in you from conservatory, right? The fundamentalist idea of the opera, the traditionalist, the pristine um, literalist Uh, reading of the opera is not something that's going to appeal to that population. But if that population 
has an entrance, has an invitation, has a possibility to come into this art form, they're going to bring the passion from their other musical endeavors, from the, we've just been using country music, from the country music perspective. They're going to bring their audience ethics and they're going to bring that into the opera. It is incredible what happens when those two things combine. Barn Opera is really, really great for a lot of reasons. And one of my most favorite things about Barn Opera is just that is showing people that didn't think that opera was for them, showing them that it is. And making lifelong members out of them. Not members to Barn Opera, I don't care about that, but members of the operatic community. For example, we have a, 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 um, an individual in the town administration of Brandon who I had seen uh, quite a bit um, they knew who I was, who I was. They knew, you know, things about the opera, everything. And at one point, I think I was in paying my taxes or something. And, um, they happened to be in there and we got into a conversation and we were about to, Barnapa was about to, um, to produce, uh, a pastiche concert. I think it was a couple weeks later. And we started talking and she said what I actually, the phrase I look for whenever I'm talking to anyone. And that phrase is, well, I've just never liked opera, <laughs> right? I've just never liked opera. What does that mean though? You've never liked the grandeur of the opera. You live in a small town. You don't have a ton of money. You don't have that experience of being in the middle of Manhattan and having tons of expendable income to be able to go and make it an event. You don't have that experience because you've been working nine to five. You know, does it mean that you just, you don't like the aesthetic? You don't like the music, you don't like the, the, the text, you don't like things that are in a foreign language, you don't like... What does that mean? You just never liked the opera. But you can't just ask that, right? Like, that's not something you can ask. But what I said was, try me. Try it. That's it. I can promise you that what you're going to see is not what you're expecting. I can promise you that the elitism that you think you know about the operatic medium is not what is on display at Barn Opera. I can tell you that all of these things that you have in your head about what the opera is, is an antiquated idea and concept. So, try me. Come. If you don't like it, if you don't like it, 
then you don't like it. And I won't push ever, ever again. She agreed. And she bought tickets for herself. Just one ticket for the show. And she was in the back row. Her expectation was that she was going to leave immediately. Like, <laughs> as soon as she didn't like something, she would leave. And I kept watching her. And after the first or second, you know, after the first number, her mouth was on the floor. And her eyes were wide open. And after the second number, I could see her start to cry. She cried through the whole program. By the end of the program, when I went up to her at the end, she was a changed person. This is not a one-off. There have been a few people that have been like this that fit this exact description. The opportunity to invite people into our family is so important. One of the, the people that fit this description purchased season tickets. Right then. Boom. One of them comes every time every time and one of them i am in a facebook message conversation with weekly at least because they ask me what should i listen to next if i liked this what will i like next you have the opportunity as an artistic director to be a teacher, a mentor, a producer, an entertainer, a director, a face, an evangelist for the opera. And where obviously the existing community of opera lovers is convenient, don't get me wrong, it's convenient, the conversion of of, of people that don't think it's for them is even more satisfying. So, thinking about the type of community, thinking about the area, thinking about the different arts organizations that are around, all of these things are going to contribute to your market research. The reason why I think that the market research is so important, and I keep using that term, although it's it's more about figuring out about your community. Everything about your area is valuable information from the type of restaurants that there are in the area to the hotels, bed and breakfasts, um, bars, any natural environments, um, anything like that, these are going to go go into your 
uh, into your research, right? Because you're not only going to be able to have those, you're going to want to talk to these people, talk to the proprietors, talk to the bed and breakfast owners, the, the hotel people and say, hey, would you be willing to give a discount or do a group um, rate for people that come to the opera, right? Or to the restaurants, hey, would you be willing to do a before the opera uh, dinner, a prefix menu or so, I don't know, something like that, you know? There are so many things, so many connections that you can make that you really will have the opportunity to, um, to form great bonds. And this isn't going to immediately benefit you, right? I just want to put that out there. You're not going to see any, maybe well a little bit, but not any substantial more money from either of these um, connections, like the dinner, you know, before the show, or the lodging issue. But what you're doing is you are creating connections between the proprietors of both the restaurant and the hotel, right? Or the bed and breakfast. Such that when they have guests that come, they're going to talk about the opera or the show, right? They're going to be advocates for you because you are helping them, right? It goes back to this desert island mentality where everyone is in their own separate thing working so hard to do their own separate thing but that's not the way the world works that's the way some parts of the world work that's the way that that it it works if you're willing to you know hurt people along the way but if you're a new company how better to ingratiate yourself with the community than making these connections, making these um, bonds between shop owners, restaurateurs, you know, all of these things. It's incredibly important because then you get community buy-in, not just the ability for people to eat dinner before the show. That's, that's secondary, right? Thinking about all of these things is really, really, really important. The other part of market research should be about programming. So if you're in the middle, like we were talking about, you know, the Schoenberg vocal ensemble, right, in in some urban area, you can do that. You can do that. It can be hyper-focused. It can be as you know in the weeds of of music theory and you know as you want it to be but if you are dealing with a population that doesn't have that type of musical experience doesn't have that language doesn't have that harmonic structure in their ears you're gonna have to play a little bit gentler right to be able to educate them and open their ears. I'm not suggesting you'll never be able to produce Schoenberg at your, you know, little company in, I don't know, Nebraska. Um, but not immediately. And I also want to counsel that 
look around at a lot of the bigger opera companies. They're not just doing Verdi and Puccini and Gounod, right? They're doing musical theater. How many opera companies in the country have produced Sweeney Todd? How many opera companies, you know, Sondheim, or any other Sondheim for that matter, how many opera companies are producing Rodgers and Hammerstein? Why? Think about it. If you've got an audience that is not looking specifically, or, or an audience that, that, that says that they don't like opera, how do you get them to like opera? You give them music that they know, and you give them singing that they don't know. You give them a higher quality musical experience in a construct that they're familiar with. Exposing people to new things is is manipulation, really. You have to make them comfortable enough to accept your new concept and your new ideas while at the same time pushing their boundaries. But you can't push them so hard that they feel alienated or isolated. You push them just enough so that they understand that they're stretching, but they have but they aren't completely, you know, man without country. Right? So these opera companies producing Rogers and Hammerstein music means that the singing and the music making is going to be at such a high, high level where maybe the last time they saw Oklahoma was, was at a community theater near them and they thought it was wonderful and it was great. But then they see a large opera company's Oklahoma and it's an entirely different ballgame. And then that's what they associate the opera with. The opera is now not this far away, you know, loud people wearing horns. The opera is now something tangible and accessible. So if you are in an area, in an environment, where there isn't that built-in conoscenti community of opera lovers, and you have to cultivate them, then there is no shame in doing something that is outside the traditional operatic repertory. No shame. Pops concerts sung by opera singers are the best way to convince people to come to our side, right? How many people in this country love Nessun Dorma from Puccini's Torda? How many people love Pavarotti? Right? Pop culture. Michael Bolton sang with him. Aretha Franklin sang Nessun Dorma. Right? These are the pop culture operatic blur lines. Right? The people that say, oh, I don't love opera, but then they cry when they hear, you know, it's so overwhelmingly emotional, 
when they hear Pavarotti sing at the at the um, the Olympics, right? They're overwhelmed when they hear the people on American American Idol or America's Got Talent or whatever the the show is. You know, they they do like opera. They just don't know how to say what they like. They don't have the vocabulary to express what their reservations are and ask for clarification. So you have to divine that. And that's part of this market research, is figuring out how to make that happen, right? You get a really good baritone to sing Edelweiss from Sound of Music, Roger Hammerstein, and you will hook an entire new audience, right? You get a soprano to sing the Julie Andrews stuff. You get, you know, these these things connect with pop culture. Absolutely. And the more we allow that to influence, I'm not suggesting we lower our standards. I'm not suggesting that at all. I have ridiculously high standards for myself and for, you know, consequently, my company. But those high standards do not affect the programming because those high standards should influence whatever programming you're doing. So even if you're doing some uh, jazz stuff, the American Songbook, you know, as long as the high quality is stylistically appropriate, you're going to be in a better place than when you started, right? Speaking stylistically, right? Like, you don't want someone with the pearlescence of voice like Renee Fleming singing a Billie Holiday song, right? It That doesn't work. It's too polished. It doesn't have that type of visceral response. And so, in the same way as you wouldn't want Billie Holiday singing Song to the Moon, right? So we have to be, we have to come to the middle a little bit. And this goes back to the alienating of of the audience. In your market research, understanding how much exposure the community has had, how much, not just operatic, but musical in general, you know, have they ever heard an orchestra? Have they heard a really good pianist? You know, what what is the experience that the community has had? Right? And doing something that is catering to the community as an entertainment event, but also as an educational tool, is the mark of a true artistic director. That is programming. You're programming for the community that you have, while at the same time staying true to your belief, your integrity, your intention, your idea, 
and making sure that both of those elements work seamlessly together to create this company. You could have people that are absolutely opposed to opera turn into your biggest operatic fans. And I'm just telling you from experience, it's not that difficult to do. So, your homework for this week is to make the concentric circles around your location. Make a list of all the great restaurants and inns and hotels and bars and arts organizations. Make a list and a, a contact sheet for all these people. Then you can make a list of concentric circles around your location. So say within 15 minutes and then within 30 minutes and then an hour and see what organizations are within those concentric circles as opposed to your initial. In that list of people, uh, contacts, make sure that you make a note of the, the top five people that you want to contact. The conversation should be something like this, whether it's email or phone call or anything, should be, Hi, I'm Joshua Collier, and I'm in the process of thinking about starting a, a theatrical opera company, and I was wondering if you had some time to talk about possible connections that we could make. I'd love for my new company and for your business to collaborate and see if we can both help each other out. If you have time, anytime, please get in touch with me at blah, 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 blah. And I so look forward to hearing from you very soon and continuing to build uh, connections in this beautiful community that we both love. Right? Like, that's not that hard. And so having that, making that connection casually, you know, it doesn't need to be so formal yet, unless they specifically set a formal tone. Um, but this is just an information setting, right? You're just trying to figure out, gauge their interest. And this can happen to anybody who you want, right? If you're sending an email, draft the email and just send it to everybody. Um, don't BCC. I, I, I think there's, there's a, um, you know when you're being BCC'd. And what it looks like is that you're not taking the time to individually and personalize all of the emails. So just copy and paste. It'll look better, it'll feel better. The people on the other end won't feel like they're just in some group, um, but that actually you care about them. And that'll be really important. If you send an email, um, give it a day and then give them a phone call. You know, um, there's no harm in that. And, uh, you know, you don't, don't send the email and then call immediately afterwards, give them a little bit of time to digest and to appreciate what you're, what you're asking from them. 
and then give them a phone call because maybe it's just they don't have time to sit down at a computer and craft a response to your email. Uh, so you could give them the opportunity to talk or maybe they'll say, hey, yeah, just come down and we'll have a chat. Well, after COVID, you know, but but these these are the things and these are this is the type of research that you're looking for. OK, in the same way as you would not expect every audition as a singer, every time you sent your resume out that you're going to get the job, don't expect that every company is going every a business is going to want to partner with you immediately. They might not, you know, they might just not have enough wherewithal. They might want to see you operate for a bit before, before they jump on board. That's okay too, you know, and don't hold a grudge if that's the case. They have to also look out for their business in the same way that you're looking out for yours. So all of this research, all this time that you're spending looking at you know arts organizations and seeing who you know, you're not just doing this research for your company, you're doing it for you and you're doing it for the community. Great resources are generally librarians, town administrators. If you're in a small town, town administrators. If you're in a large town, there's generally a an online uh, forum you know, where you can find these places out, uh, really just doing that detective work is going to be so, so, so helpful uh, for you and will inevitably, you'll come across kindred spirits and or people that maybe want to join you in the process, in your board or, you know, in, in helping to make this possible, which is going to be our next chapter. So I look forward to uh, having you there. As always, email me, text me, all that stuff. Be in contact. I'd love to help. I'd love to know what you're, uh, what you're dealing with, what you're thinking about, how the your location and the market research is going. If you get stuck, if you have a specific question, always feel free. Text me. 802-772-5601 or email me at collier at barnopera.com and I will get back to you. So thanks so much again, guys. Enjoy your market research, learn about your community, and I will see you for our next episode. As always, keep fighting the good fight.